Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Paul F. Tompkins is a remarkably gifted and prolific comedian, actor, and writer based in Los Angeles, California. Originally from Philadelphia, Tompkins is well known for his work as a writer and performer on Mr. Show with Bob and David, and for roles in films like There Will Be Blood and The Informant. He's also a serious contender for king of all podcasts, as he has redefined the medium with his work on Comedy Bang Bang, The Pod F. Tomcast, The Thrilling Adventure Hour, Super Ego, Dead Authors, and Spontaneous Nation, an improv podcast he hosted and produced, which just celebrated its 200th and final episode. On Sunday, February 17th in the year 2019, Tompkins and the very talented comedic actor Mark Evan Jackson staged their production, Mr. Jackson and Mr. Tompkins, a two-gentleman improv show, at the Vogue Theater in Vancouver as part of JFL Northwest. Paul and I had a talk about this very show, this stage, this thing that I just described. We talked about that. We talked about why he has clicked with Mark Evan Jackson as a comedic partner and foil, why he ended his Spontaneous Nation podcast, what's next for him, and much more. With the support of listeners like you who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly pledges at patreon.com slash Control. Plus, in-kind support from CFRU 93.3 FM, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 458th episode of Creative Control, featuring the ingenious and always very dapper Paul F. Tompkins, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. It's uh, snowy here. It's very snowy. I'm calling you from Ontario, Canada. It's uh, They call it Snowmageddon. That's what they're saying in the news. 
Well, I mean, that seems like an error in judgment on your part to be there. <laughs> yeah, it's true. This really is on me, isn't it? I never thought of that. Well, I mean, you know, I'm here and you're there. <laughs> where, where are you? Where in the world are you, Paul? I'm in Los Angeles, California, the city of dreams. <laughs> and how are things going in Los Angeles today? Uh, so far, so good. No major calamities in terms of climate or people. Has anything bad happened? Is that, is, or is you know, the bright side? Has anything good happened? Uh, as far as I know, everything is status quo. I haven't really uh, dug into the local news yet today. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, still the early afternoon here, so uh, anything could happen. We're on the precipice of uh, absolutely anything. Okay, that, so- that sounds good. That's a good place <laughs> to be. That, that, that sounds promising uh, to me. How long have you actually been in Los Angeles, by the way? I associate you with Hollywood, California, for some reason. But how long have you actually been there? I moved here in 1994. Oh, really? And what prompted a move to Los Angeles? Show business, I assume. Well, I had stars in my eyes, and um, <laughs> I had to have that taken care of, the only place that really knows how to do it. <laughs> and and where, where did you move from? From Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So I, I know of... Uh, I know of snow and uh, am happy to have left it behind. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I'm familiar with the, the fact that you're from Philadelphia. Was it a good was that a good place to live in? Was Philadelphia good? Yeah, I still really love the city. I get there probably uh, every other year. Um, I still have uh, family and friends back there, and I still feel a very strong connection to the city. Anytime I go back home and walk around, um, it it definitely uh, is still home. Like as my as much as Los Angeles has has become my home, and I can't imagine um, living anywhere else, really, Philadelphia will always be uh, the home of my heart. Oh, nice. That's nice to hear. That's nice to hear. Well. Speaking of snowy places, the the last time I saw you in person, uh, you, you were in Toronto on stage, and you didn't you didn't make eye contact with me because I was sitting way in the back of the audience there. But it was you and Mark. Are Evans. you sure I didn't <laughs> make contact with you? Actually, I felt a little something. You know, you know how sometimes you get that a little connection. I, That's I, right. <laughs> oh, I know because I give it. <laughs> but you and Mark Evan Jackson put on one of the most incredible things. I have ever seen at a comedy festival or anywhere. I shouldn't have qualified it by saying comedy festival. That <laughs> kind of shortchanged it, but it was really a phenomenal uh, performance, if I might say. Do you remember the the performance I'm speaking of in Toronto? Oh yeah, I, I that that night because we had never um, we'd never done that that a two man show before like that, and it was it, from the moment we walked down on the stage, it it felt we both felt right at home. It was one of the, I'm going to say top five experiences I've ever had on stage in my entire career. It was, it, it was magical for us. We just had the best time and it was the most amazing audience. Everything felt right. You know, it's, it's those, those nights are rare. I mean, you have, you have good nights, but when it's, when it feels transcendent like that, that's the thing you're always going for. But of course it's impossible to always reach that. But man, when you do, you really, you really know it, you really feel it. Well, I, I would say the same. As an audience member who's seen a lot of comedy, has have seen a lot of improv, that's the best thing I've ever seen. Like, I, I don't know what else to say. And I, I don't know how to describe it to someone because it was also fleeting. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was yeah. completely yeah. improvised. You, you say it, it's in the top five, but on some level, it would be hard to qualify why unless you were there, right? It, it was just that, I mean, the, the idea of, of transcendence with live shows is that connection between the performers and the audience where everyone 
feels the it feels like we're all feeling the same thing. We're all sharing the same experience. And so it wasn't just that we were having fun with each other or the audience was was, you know, enjoying what we were doing. It was somehow we all were uh, you know, we all just came together as as people, as as lofty as that sounds. Yeah. I mean, that's what it that's what it feels like, you know. Yeah, it was a collective. It's like going to a a Bruce Springsteen concert. That's what I hear. That's what I I'll say. I felt that. <laughs> I felt that at a Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band concert, or seeing uh, Jay Z. Sometimes you see someone, and the whole twenty thousand people feel as one. Have you ever had that seeing something or someone? Oh boy! Um, I mean, you just described your own experience, and that's that's all I'm saying is you don't have to dig. I I don't mean no, to put no. Trump's I mean, butt. here's the thing: is that I I have I'm seldom a, a just an audience member these days. Like, I will go to I'll go to see entertainment. Like, I, I really like to go to the theater, but it's a different it's a different kind of thing. It's a different kind of thing than comedy. It's not that it can't happen, but I think. Because I am a performer, it makes me a, a bad audience member a lot of the time, yes. you know, because I'm I'm it makes me think of other things. It makes me think of things that I either want to do or things that I would do differently or, you know, things that I wish I had done, you know, like so it's it's uh it takes a lot for me to completely leave that stuff to get out of my head when watching a performance. That's what I like about theater so much is that it really it it if when theater is good, that that to me is the transcendence of theater that it, you forget about the people around you. You forget about the exit signs. You forget about you know being able to maybe see into the wings a little bit or whatever are the uh, the mundane distractions around what you're there for. Um, and you can be transported, you know, by the the people on stage and those and their fake furniture and all that stuff. It's yeah. like that's it's theater is if you think about it, it's a tall order. And when it works, it is a truly magical thing. But live performance where there's where there's no fourth wall, where you're talking to the audience, where you've acknowledged, hey, we're all here together, that adds a, another level to it. You know, you, you have that in music, you have that in comedy, that makes it a, a different thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally does. It totally does. And I, I remember that night quite vividly. I remember you and Mark, you say you and Mark had never done a two-man show like that before, but you've worked together in other Many oh, other yeah. many other capacities, but absolutely. So yeah, what? we've known each other for years, and and um, you know we've we've improvised together certainly with with other people, and we've done scenes on stage before. But just the the two of us doing a show just by ourselves, and you know wearing the 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 tuxedos and all that stuff, like it was it was very much it very quickly became its own thing. You know. Yeah, you were Mister Tompkins and 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 Mister Jackson, as I recall. That was the well, one thing. <laughs> you've, you've changed the billing to my advantage, which I appreciate. <laughs> right. Sorry, I, I apologize to Mark. Uh, oh, you don't have to apologize to me. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, you you walked out. You did a little preamble, just talking to people about a Blue Jays game you saw, as I recall. And then yeah. someone in the darkness yelled out that the the, the word uh, the, that you were going to base your work on was honesty, and yeah. that that is that seemed impossible. And yet, it was one of the most <laughs> magical things I've ever seen. Thank you. It was uh, it was magical to experience it. It it, it um, I, we and, you know, the, there is, of course, a fear that instantly sets in after the show is over that if we do this again, 
uh, is there any way it can be as good? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like when you start out so strong and it just feels so comfortable and at home. But the good news is we just did a show in Detroit and uh, it was an absolute blast. So uh, proof of concept. This will be if if we can um, avoid uh, strangling ourselves somehow on stage in Vancouver, this will be it will officially be a trend that we are good <laughs> together. So uh, how did you first encounter Mr. Jackson? I just want to know a little bit about this relationship. Uh, because it's fascinating to me that that was the, the thing I saw was one of the first times you'd you'd done a two man show like that. Uh, how did you first encounter uh, Mark? We met doing the Thrilling Adventure Hour together, um, which was a, uh, a long running Los Angeles um, stage show and podcast um, that started out as a live show in a tiny little bar in Hollywood, and we first met at the first read through of that script it was a a staged radio show so what we would do is we would hold this all the, the cast would hold the scripts in their hands and um and perform it like as if it were a a, a radio show yeah and you know it ran for uh for 10 years and um you know we be, we really became a family that that whole group of people and in fact we um started we since the show ended we we missed each other so much that we started doing a monthly improv show at uh Dynasty Typewriter here in Los Angeles so we can uh once again see each other every month okay and so you've worked with other people you've worked with Mark in other capacities as well to your mind what distinguishes working and improvising with Mark in relation to maybe other people you've worked with, uh, either on a one-on-one -on -one basis or in a group setting with Mark. I'm just curious about that dynamic because, like I say, and we've said a few times, uh, the thing I saw in Toronto was explosive. It was uh, magical, and, <laughs> and it, it seems special to me that I was there in the room with and I just I'm just curious about this dynamic. I mean, Mark and I, there's a lot that we have in common. We, we have a love of clothing, and I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, the idea that— um, there would be anyone else that would readily agree to do improv in in tuxedos is absurd. Like, uh, of course he agree. <laughs> of course he agree. I suggested and he agreed to it immediately. And you know, we have we have enough differences. You know, we're both from back east, but we are uh, a few years apart in age and experience. You know, he started improv when he was young, you know, and I, I got into improv late after starting with stand up and then getting an improv with the with the dawn of podcasting that led me to to start my own improv podcast. So right. we have we have different um we definitely have different levels of experience and you know Mark is a guy one of the most solid improvisers that is that has ever been on a stage. And I learn something from him every single time I I either see him or perform with him. He is uh, absolutely one of the most solid pros you could ever hope to to see on a stage. So, you know, we, we have a, a, a gently, a playfully antagonistic relationship at times, but uh, you know, Mark is a Mark is a really good dude. Like the the fact that he started a charity, a foundation to teach improv to to kids in in Detroit. You know, to help them yeah. uh, learn life skills is that's the kind of guy that he is. You know, he is just one thousand. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Professional. He is always game. He is always ready. He takes whatever is thrown at him, um, and he makes it great. I mean, it's it's uh, it's really a, a, you know the sort of tennis partner analogy that he elevates my game uh, to a degree that a uh, few other people could. You know, I it's just out of like I have to be better because he is so good. So, what kinds of discussions? You guys go to a Blue Jays game. That's eight nine hours right there that you've got you've got to kill. So, what <laughs> kind right. of prep are you doing before you go on stage at all? Like the, the experience of seeing it was someone yelled a word out. In this case, it was honesty. You right. proceed to work together. It's magical. Uh, you know, I often I don't know a lot about the mechanics of improv and comedy, and I but I do know a little bit about freestyling and rap music, and I know that sometimes someone says they're freestyling, but eh, it's a little prepared. Are they you came from the tank? <laughs> they don't want to admit it. <laughs> so, are you and Mark talking conceptually about anything you might go for in the evening, or no? You if, just if we if we get on the verge of it, I mean, there's there is a certain sense of just knowing. We'll talk about this later, you know, because we're having especially something like that where we're having the same experience it's like we don't need to plan anything we know that we will be talking about this later so we're recounting it for the audience you know yeah but we're not we're not like saying okay i'll say this and then you say that you know right. um or you know we when we went to detroit we were on the same flight and there was a a, a dumb little dust up with me and another passenger because a woman got on with a child and they were separated <laughs> they were both in they were both at middle seats and um you know they wanted to switch and this guy this guy across the aisle from me, um, who's in an aisle seat, said uh, he just flat out said no. And then he added, um, uh, she'll be all right. She looks like a big girl. And that made me so mad. Yeah. It made me so mad that I instantly volunteered. And then the then the flight started. And I so we talked about it a little bit as soon as we got off the plane. And I said, you know what? I want to save it for tonight. We should save it for tonight. Right. And we'll talk about it then. And uh you know, it's like the only prep that you can really do for something like that is have a day, you know, have an experience, have stuff to talk about. Either there's stuff we can talk about together or we can talk about we can come together and talk about our separate days. Yeah. Um, you know, just make sure that you have something that's going to to be entertaining and provide fodder for the improv. So did the show that you you said I believe you said you just did a show in Detroit, right? Yes. Yeah. Did anything get replicated from the show I would have seen in Toronto? No, nothing. N nothing. And and how nothing. did it go? Was it as magical? Can you if you A B those two shows, was Detroit as magical as Toronto? Uh it came pretty close, I gotta say. I mean, nothing's ever gonna be as magical as the very first time, um, because that energy is 
unlike anything else. Um, but it was a, it, you'll pardon my language. It was a fucking great show. It was, <laughs> it was so much fun. The audience was with us. Um, and we had a blast, you know, yeah. I, I think that, I think that this is a, um, you know, we're, we're both excited that we enjoy working with each other. This is a simple thing that we can do. Um, you know, if we want to travel around and do, if we maybe get to the point where we've done a few shows, we want to do like a little tour or something, yeah. it would be extremely simple to do. And we get to wear formal wear. Yes, I was going to ask you. Make uh, you always make very interesting sartorial ch uh, choices. You you suggested the tuxedos. Why? Why the tuxedos in this case? Well, for that first show, we were doing a we were playing a big house in Toronto, and I thought, you know what, we should really do this up. We should lean into the idea that we're both, you know, um, um, the dapper dans. You know, yes, we both like yes. we both like to dress up. So why don't we go all the way? And um, it sort of set, you know we came up with the name of the show first, and it sort of fit, you know, and it mm. I think it definitely fits our. Um, uh, what has become uh, very quickly our co-brand, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it also it's it's a it's a it's not a thing that you see other people doing. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. <laughs> if any not. if yeah. any two dudes were going to wear tuxedos to do improv, it's me and Mark. <laughs> now you've talked a little bit about your process here in this conversation. Are there aspects of improv that you feel are, I don't know, misunderstood, mischaracterized by audience members, maybe your colleagues? Do you feel like that's still a thing that that people are just don't get it or think it's one thing when it's not? Oh sure. Well, there's a lot of people that flat out believe to uh, flat out refuse to believe that it's uh, that it's made up. You know, right, there's right. A, there's a lot of people that assume that you you secretly plan things out that nobody could do that. And um, you know the the thing that makes it work. And I, I I and and I will I will I will say that I can understand that point of view if something because sometimes things come out perfectly. You know, and that's that's when you're lucky. That's when you're comfortable enough that you can take the time to uh to phrase things in such a way that it sounds like a perfectly written joke you yes, know yes but it's not it's just what makes that happen is experience you know yeah and so i get it but if you look at all the other stuff it's like well why would we <laughs> why would we why would we have all that other stuff not be as good as the perfectly formed jokes yeah you know what i mean yeah um so it's like it's what what makes it magical is that it's meant to be ephemeral. So of course it's it's uh, it's all made up because that is absolutely the point. And you know the idea that uh, you know I think it's Second City maybe does where they improvise to write sketches. So they have they have improv and they also have written sketches that yeah, they that yeah. they perform. And the idea is that improv is, is a is an important part of that uh, writing process. And so we could like if we recorded these shows, we could pick out the best stuff, edit it, rewrite it, you know, and do it. But it just wouldn't I don't think it would be the same. I think they would be I think it would be mildly funny if you if you put it in wardrobe, put it on a set and put cameras in front of it, I just think it would be a, a different thing. The magic of improv is is that. So I think that is a um, that's an ongoing that's an ongoing thing. Well, I think you know, that, that, yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I do think that the realization that it's ephemeral, that it's happening in the moment is is present in the audience reaction, in the laughter, in the way, yeah, in the way we process it. Like that's part of what we're processing is like, holy Lord, they just made that up. Like that's kind of yeah. in the, that's the subtext a little bit, I think. Well, absolutely. We're all just, what I love about improv so much is that we are all discovering it at roughly the same time. And the performers are maybe, 
maybe what a half second ahead of the audience. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, the, there's very little lag time. You know, yeah, I yeah. I think of a thing and I say it, and then the audience is laughing at it, and it all happened uh, in a second. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. that's that's the magic. That's the magic right there. Well, as we're speaking, it's some somewhat and rather sad news, frankly. You just ended another podcast that you started. You have a tendency to start podcasts that people love, and then you stop <laughs> them. And uh, the the one that just ended is an improv podcast called Spontanation. And I can never say this right. It's like a weird thing. But I, you are not alone. You okay. are not alone. Spont, I believe I can call it spont, is one thing sure. some people call it. You just en- effect, I accept that affectionate <laughs> nickname. <laughs> Why did you end uh, Spontanation? Well, I'd never done uh, a weekly podcast before Spontanation. The other podcasts that I had produced, self-produced, were, um, were monthlies. And... You know, it, like for uh, the Pod F Tompcast, which was my first podcast, that involved a lot of production, a lot of post-production. It was a lot of work for me and uh, Evan Schleder, my, my producer and accompanist. And so we got to the point where it was just it was just too much work to to keep going. Yeah. Um, we had other stuff. You know, it was not our career. We weren't making any money from it. And then the Dead Authors podcast, which I was doing as a um, – sort of charity show at, at UCB Franklin here in Los Angeles. Um, you know, they, they allow, they gave me a, a time slot, an early time slot so that I could donate all the proceeds to charity to a uh, two six LA, which is a, uh, a, a reading tutoring mentoring program. Um, that's, uh, across the country. Right. Um, and, and that the podcast would, would raise awareness of a two six. And then that got to be, that got to be tricky because I had other stuff going on and I had to book the show. I had to do research and I had to do it at this sort of odd hour of the day. And um, that got to be a little much after a while, mm-hmm. especially after I started doing Spontanean Nation. And, yeah. and uh, when that started, even though performing the show was ex- was a breeze and was always fun. I, I always enjoyed that hour in the studio with with whoever was in there. Yeah. Um, but to have to book everybody and, you know, get the show out on a weekly basis, uh, you know, it, it required booking four people per episode, five if you count Evan Schletter, who also has his own career. And, you know, although he was getting some money to 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 be there in the studio, um, it's still not enough to to make it his first priority. You know, I yeah. mean, he was there yeah. for he I got to say he was there for all but maybe three episodes, four episodes or something like that that he scored later. Um, that's remarkable uh, considering all the stuff that he's always got going on. Yeah. Um, so after years of doing that, having never had a, a regular show like that before, the the format of it started to take its toll, you know, the production of it. And I, although I still enjoyed improvising with everybody, um, it just felt like it was time to do something new. And uh 200 seemed like a nice round number. And yeah. so I thought I'll end it there. And, um, that's a lot of episodes. And, yeah. Yeah. um, you know, I, I thought, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take some time to figure out what my next thing is going to be. And that's, that's where I am now is trying to think what I want to do next. Okay. So you don't okay. know what your next move is. No, I, I have some ideas of things to do with friends and we'll do more, um, episodes of freedom, the podcast I do with Scott Ackerman and Lauren Lapkus. Um, but I definitely want to host another show. I just don't know what I want the format to be yet. Okay. Well, Paul, I, my understanding is we have to go, uh, and I, uh, you've got another, uh, chat to have and I, but I just want to say it's an honor to, to get to uh, have spoken with you. I, I, I'm a huge fan and, uh, 
And thank you for your work on Twitter, if I might say. Thank you for your service. <laughs> thank you for your Twitter service, Paul. It's, it's, uh, it's great to see uh, that as well. Uh, if people want to learn more about you, where would you like to send them? Uh, they can go to paulftompkins.com, uh, and I will have you know dumb things that I post up there, and that's where you can also find out my live dates. Okay. Paul, thank you so much for this time, and best of luck with everything going uh, forward. Thank you, Vish. It was great to talk with you. Very special thanks again to Paul F. Tompkins, the great, the ingenious Paul F. Tompkins was on the show. It was a short episode. We don't normally have episodes this short, but it was still fun. I enjoyed it. I learned things. Thank you very much, Paul, for being on this, the 458th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One podcast network and available on all iOS and Android platforms and also on things like Spotify and YouTube and Audio Boom as well. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it on one of those platforms and or, or if you want to learn more about me, sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter. Please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative, or follow me at vishkana. You can also listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at cfru.ca or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol to make a flexible monthly donation to keep the podcast going. We have a very modest Patreon. Uh, we're hoping it expands uh, rapidly uh, sometime soon, just like uh, out of nowhere. It just goes nuts and sustains the show uh, for all eternity. But uh, as, as it stands, it isn't doing that. If you'd like to contribute to the show financially, as I say, it's, month- it's a flexible monthly way you can do it. Just go to patreon.com slash creativecontrol. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts uh, for their in-kind support of the show. Also, my uh, dear friend Jim Guthrie, he lets me use the instrumental version of his song, The Rest Is Yet To Come, to end the show each week. And uh, I appreciate that. Go to jimguthrie.org to learn more about Jim. And thank you very much for listening to this episode and any other episodes you you feel compelled to listen to. And uh, if you can, tell your friends about the show as well. And Why not subscribe to the podcast so you can stay on top of things? Why not? Why not, indeed? All right, I have to go. I will talk to you very, very soon. Goodbye for now. Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.